Hello everyone, if there are thousands of Haitian migrants at the Texas border, US Border Patrol using whips and human beings in 2021, and a country dealing with centuries of oppression, with multiple natural disasters, and the assassination of a president just this year alone, then this is the delve. out of Haiti today as well. That's where the president of that country has been assassinated. Overnight, armed men stormed into the home of President Jovenel Moise the, in the Haitian capital of Port-au-Prince. Haiti, the world's first black-led republic and the first independent Caribbean state, has been in the news a lot since July, only 38 days after President Jovenel Moise was assassinated. The country was struck with a 7.2 magnitude earthquake. Days later, a deadly tropical storm ripped through the Caribbean. This is just the latest turmoil for a country that has been brutalized for centuries by the United States and European colonial powers. And while some of us may be hearing about Haiti only more recently, we in the United States actually owe a great debt to our southern neighbor. In the 1700s, Haiti was a French colony, and it was the wealthiest colony in the world. It made more money than the entire Spanish Empire. During the American Revolution, as the American colonists battled the English, France loaned the fledgling United States $9 billion. Guess how the French made that? France also used Haiti as a transport hub to send military support to George Washington. 500 Haitians also joined American forces. Without Haiti's wealth and support, America would never have gained independence. Or at least not the way we know it now. As Haiti was battling for its own independence against France, Napoleon was losing his richest colony, and he was desperate for money. He sold America 530 million acres of land. In the U.S., we refer to this acquisition as the Louisiana Purchase. This deal doubled the size of the nation. This land makes up the states we know today as Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, Colorado, South Dakota, Minnesota, Wyoming, North Dakota, and Montana. Without the Haitian Revolution, this would all still potentially be French territory. But Haitian support for America goes beyond that. During the Civil War, Haiti offered free passage, land, and citizenship to slaves who couldn't make it to ships leaving from New Orleans. After the Haitian Revolution, France forced Haiti to pay them $21 billion in reparations. Imagine, a colony paying its former colonial power, reparations, after they just won their war. Over time, the U.S. became the appointed debt collector for France, further enriching our country with millions in fees. Later, the U.S. took control of Haiti's gold reserve, their custom houses, banking system, and national treasury. Governments, aid organizations, and the private sector have all had a direct hand in the continual impoverishment of Haiti. No doubt you have seen by now the images of the border. Maybe you've seen families, little children, on their father's shoulders wading through the Rio Grande. Maybe you've seen images of the shantytown established under the bridge in Del Rio, Texas. No doubt you have seen images of white border patrol agents on horseback, what looks to be whips, flogging black asylum seekers. Those images are haunting. They are caricatures of slave patrols, 
It's 2021. This shouldn't be happening. Is this the humane immigration policy we were promised by the Biden administration? Is this what Americans voted for? If you're like me, you were appalled by these images, but perhaps you're also wondering, how did we get here? How did it come to this? Let's just start in 2010, when a 7.0 magnitude earthquake left more than 250,000 Haitians dead. Imagine that. 250,000 people gone in one event. What does that do to a country? Later that year, a cholera outbreak suspected to be caused by the United Nations peacekeepers claimed another 2,500 lives. 1.5 million people were displaced by the 2010 earthquake, and foreign aid money was woefully corrupted and stolen. No, not by Haitians, but by the foreign aid organizations themselves. USAID issued the majority of their aid to foreign-owned companies. The American Red Cross, which had promised to build 132,000 homes, built... Are you ready for this? Six. They built six permanent homes. Around 80,000 Haitians sought refuge in the United States between 2010 and 2016. 55,000 were granted temporary protective status by the Obama administration. And then, in 2016, Hurricane Matthew claimed 850 more lives and left tens of thousands more Haitians homeless. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people. Donald Trump's presidency was defined by his nasty border and immigration policies. Kids in cages, family separation, shithole countries. But Joe Biden's presidential bid painted him as diametrically opposite to Trump. Joe Biden's known to be kind, compassionate. He promised a fair and humane border. If I'm elected president, we're going to immediately end Trump's assault on the dignity of immigrant communities. We're going to restore our moral standing in the world and our, our historic role as a safe haven for refugees and asylum seekers and those fleeing violence and, and persecution. My Lord, we've never, we've never made asylum seekers stay, seek asylum outside the United States of America. Those campaign promises, however, were not just heard by American voters, they were heard by the desperate people of Haiti, El Salvador, Guatemala, Honduras, and other countries. Many of Haiti's asylum seekers have been waiting for years in South and Central America for what they expected to be looser restrictions at the U.S.-Mexico border after Donald Trump finally left office. They were waiting for their opportunity. And how did these folks physically get to the border? We'd like to take you on that journey. Haitian migrants typically travel by plane to Brazil or Chile. Many remain or make the trek, some 6,000 miles by foot and bus, and foot again through Paraguay, Brazil, Bolivia, Colombia, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, Guatemala, and Mexico, before they even arrive at the U.S. border. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris didn't authorize those border protection agents to whip asylum seekers, but as American voters, it is our responsibility to hold our leadership accountable for the atrocities that happen on their watch. The White House has since announced that horses will no longer be used by Border Patrol officers in Del Rio, Texas. What about the rest of the border? Asylum seekers should be treated according to the law, not as criminals, but as people with every right to make their claim. Daniel Foote, Biden's special envoy to Haiti, submitted his formal resignation to the State Department, citing the failures of the administration to handle this crisis with dignity, empathy, and the urgency it deserves. We echo Ambassador Foote and call on the administration to do something now 
to alleviate the pain and suffering of the displaced Haitian people, specifically to increase the refugee cap to pre-Trump levels, to end policies of violence by Border Patrol agents immediately, and to face the root of the migrant crisis by investing in Haiti, not through controlling forces of foreign aid and puppet governments, but through Haitian-led civic organizations and leaders on the ground. Haiti's situation isn't new, it's the historical implication of white supremacy and colonialism. There's approximately 60,000 Canadians currently living undocumented in the US. You don't see a militarized presence hunting them down on horseback. We don't even have a wall on the Canadian border. This is a matter of anti-blackness. Today I speak with Gurleen Joseph, co-founder and executive director of the Haitian Bridge Alliance. She's going to delve deep into the little-known history of this proud and resilient nation. Today you'll hear part one of our engaging conversation. Stay tuned for the second half on Thursday. Hi, Gurleen. How are you? Good afternoon, uh, Chilin. I am okay. Holding on and pushing through. Holding on and pushing through. I like that. I obviously want to say thank you so much for coming on to the Delve. Uh, I really appreciate it, especially with so much happening in Haiti right now. Thank you so much for having me, for having us to be able to highlight what's happening in Haiti and really look into maybe the history of how we get to where we are mm. and what's happening in the country with the political turmoil, right. the assassination of the president, migration, people leaving Haiti, going to Brazil, Chile, and making their way all the way to the U.S.-Mexico border, what we are seeing, what we are hearing, what people are experiencing while they continue to move in their Black bodies, right? Black migration, what does that look like? So thank you so much for having us. I'm so honored to have you on. And before we jump into all of that, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, an organization you run, the Haitian Bridge Alliance. During research, I saw a video of you with I'm an Immigrant, and I almost started crying. <laughs> I want you to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself and the org. Yes, thank you so much. Oh my, that was pre-COVID, or was it right before <laughs> COVID? That video seems like ages ago. I haven't seen it because one of the things that I hate about myself is listening to my own voice or yeah, yeah. seeing myself in videos. I tell people, don't judge me because if you do, I will not even know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great video. It was very touching. I loved it. So yeah, no judgment here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. You are kind. My name is Gordon Joseph. I was born in Haiti, moved to the United States. And I was fortunate enough to be able to get on a plane, but it was extremely difficult for people to leave home and be able to go to another space, another country where you have to start over. And I think people do not understand that. There's traveling and there's migrating, right? I used to travel and I still travel. Right. You can get up, you go to this place, you spend some time there, and then you go right. here, you go here. That's traveling. Migrating is when you have left on, either forced to leave or left because you needed to, or in cases like myself, came and were unable to return. 
So I think people need to understand that and why people migrate from one place to another, looking for opportunities, looking for a better life. In the case of Haitian migration in the 1970s, that's when people really started leaving Haiti, asking for asylum as refugees, you know, and as Black people were really unwanted. They did not want people with Black skin to come into the United States. That's the reality. Yeah. That very much 1970s, 1980s, when people from Haiti were being put in Guantanamo Bay, were being mistreated and abused, where our Cuban brothers and sisters who just happened to be of a lighter shade were welcomed and giving opportunities so that they can flourish. But the darker skinned people from Haiti were not welcomed and therefore created a very harsh environment for Black folks from Haiti to really be a part of this United States of ours, right? And so we can take a look at all of those different things, but I would also love to go back to Haiti, you know, to talk about what Haiti is, what Haiti represents as the first Black country in the Americas that were able to fight the mighty forces of France and the Napoleon army, really one of the mightiest armies of the time. And we have people, literally slaves, of different tribes from Africa with different dialects and different ideologies coming together as one to forge a nation, to forge an identity, to forge a language, you know, which is Creole, to forge the world as we know it today. And I think I would love for people to meet that Haiti the Toussaint Louverture of Haiti, to meet the strong African women who taught those strong African men how to fight. I think we all saw Black Panther and how those women were fighting. These are the women who fought in Haiti, right? And seeing all of that, to bring that beauty of who we are as a people, what we represent to the world, and how we really made sure that we fought for freedom for not just people on the island, but for Black people around the world. And also share with people that Haiti as a country is unacceptable to the West. The very basic idea of Haiti is unacceptable to the West. It's unacceptable to the United States. What does that mean, unacceptable? If Haiti prosper, that is a sign that Black people can prosper around the world. When Haiti won their independence after a long war, 1804, the United States refused to recognize Haiti as a country for over 30 years. If Black people in colonies around the Caribbean, enslaved people in their own homes in Africa, learn about Haiti, it would be unacceptable for the British, for the Portuguese, for all the colonizers, no matter where they found themselves. The idea of Haiti, what Haiti represented, what Haiti stands for, is literally a pain in the neck for the West. Do you think those same sentiments are still held today? Absolutely. 
we are in 2021. Is that where we are now? Yeah. 2021, but that doesn't change Black suffering. That doesn't change the extreme racism within the very fabric of the United States. Mm. That doesn't change the fact that we are still viewed as less than. Haiti is an anomaly to Mm. the West. Continue to see that. And many times we hear, oh, Haiti, the poorest country in the hemisphere, one of the poorest countries in the world. But let's really think about it. How do you get from the richest colony to the poorest country, quote unquote? And understanding that after Haiti fought for their independence and won, the United States, Spain, and all of the other countries forced Haiti to pay France for lost wages. Now think about it. They forced Haiti to pay France for lost wages because slaves were no longer allowed to work to prosper their colonies. So every dime that Haiti had went to France. And it took Haiti a hundred years plus to finish paying that. We paid it for the world, not just for Haiti, but we paid it for the freedom of all Black people. With that, that gives us Haiti as an impoverished nation, not a poor nation, but a nation that has been made poor. Wow. I don't think I realized that Haiti was forced to pay France. I think I knew that, but I didn't realize that it took over 100 years. And we are still paying for it, actually. A hundred years of wealth that could have been spent within the island being sent back to the colonizer. Is there any mm-hmm. other nation that's independent in the world that has had to pay back its colonizer? No. <laughs> uh, you know, Haiti in so many ways need to be looked at in all of its facets. I think Haiti not the only country that actually had to pay for its freedom with money. For example, the person owns a slave Mm. and I pay you for the freedom of that slave. So I actually pay money for Mm. their freedom. This country is now paying for its citizens to become free, this newborn country. Yes. Wow. What we are seeing is creating this a system of violence, both internally and externally, mm. where Haiti, although free, was then colonized and occupied by the United States in 1915 for a very long time. And at the time, the system changed where the United States took over the banking system in Haiti and further plunged the country in poverty. They created a system where foreigners can own land and can literally own the country, but the forefathers clearly did not want that to happen. They wanted the land to be for the people, but they changed the constitution, they changed everything so that we see where that leads the country into more trouble. When it comes to politics, if we have a president that is 
trying to prioritize its people in the country, that president will be removed because it is not in the best interest of the international community. It is not in the best interest of the controlling parties, of the controlling stakeholders of the country. So we see ourselves continue to be in a space where we have to continue to pay for our very existence, how dare we exist. And we see corruption that is a big part of the Haitian community, of the Haitian society when it comes to politics. We have a very few, you know, they call it the 5%, but I'll say the 0.5% that controls the entire wealth of the country. We have actual 99.5% still living in very critical, painful situations. And I just want to do a little math here, just so listeners can understand what's happening. So Haiti becomes independent in 1804. They fight this war with France. They beat the French. Napoleon's great army beats them. Haiti is paying France reparations. Takes a hundred years. So that brings us into the 1900s. And then in 1915, the United States comes in. I suppose it's like after they've paid off their reparations to France, and then takes over the banking system. Haiti like does not catch a break. Yes, it's one thing after another. Just to show you the extent of the violence that has been inflicted upon Haiti, the Haitian people, to make sure that they are where they are. And if we look at the United States, I'm here in California. If it wasn't for Haiti, the United States wouldn't be the United States the way it is now because of the Haitian Revolution. You've all heard of the Louisiana Purchase. Sure. They don't teach you the background of the Louisiana Purchase, but we all know about the Louisiana Purchase if you you know, an American and you went hold here. The only reason that the Louisiana Purchase happened was because France was no longer able to govern in the Americas. French lost to the Haitian Revolution, therefore forced them to literally give away That's that piece of land to America, to the United States, giving us this big, vast land that we have today. So the United States literally owes a great debt to Haiti for their land. (laughs) Such Uh, a remarkable little trivia there. In addition, Haiti is one of the only countries, when we say that the Haitian blood is sipped into the very fabric of the United States, the, the Savannah battle, Haitians enslaved Black people from Haiti were part of a small army that came and fought on behalf of the United States. So the blood of those Haitians, they call them the free men of color. And when we further talk about Chicago, and we know that the founding father of Chicago is Jean-Baptiste Point du Sable, a Haitian commerce man who came and literally created the area in the city of Chicago. Yet, when we talk about Haiti, we never talk about the fact that we need to highlight the contribution of Haiti into the world, the contribution of the Haitian Revolution. We see all kinds of movies in Hollywood. They have Napoleon this, they have, you name a battle, they've had it in Hollywood. 
Have you seen a real movie about the Haitian Revolution? No, no. it is unacceptable yeah, no. for them to show a revolution where black people actually win. Even in Hollywood, it has been completely erased. Seeing, you know, remember the Spartan, I'm seeing Partica and all of those movies highlighting wars and heroes and all of that. Right, nothing right. about the Haitian Revolution, nothing about what actually gives us the world as we know it today. I think a lot of folks don't know this great story. I guess, you know, that's part of the reason we're having this conversation today. I want us to bring this timeline up to where we are in 2021. What do Americans need to know about the current situation in Haiti? Who's in charge right now? Do they have authority? What are the resources like? Who's the team that's actually governing Haiti? We do not have a government in Haiti. We have not had a government in Haiti for a very long time. It has been in the international community using puppet presidents, puppet governments to do their beatings. July 7th, the president of Haiti was assassinated leaving the country without a president. The president of the Supreme Court was supposed to be the next person in line to create a system for the next elections to get a new president. That person died literally two weeks prior to the assassination. They said it was COVID, so we said, okay. So leaving the country without a leadership, We do not have a functional Congress, you know, what we call the Shambas and the Shamhot, which is representative and Senate, neither of those functioning right now. We do not have a president. We have a vice president, which is the prime minister that just took over without any directions. On top of that, we just had the earthquake that happened a couple of weeks ago. Right ravaged the entire southern part of the country that was still recovering from the hurricanes in 2016. And the country as a whole still trying to recover from the earthquake back in 2010. Are there leaders on the ground who could be president? Why are there just puppets? What's the makeup of like the political class there? It's very difficult. There is civil society groups that are citizens who are concerned, who wants to see change, who are willing to make the sacrifices to create a better society, to make sure that Haiti really represents who we are as a leader for freedom, a leader for protection. But again, outside forces continues to be the main issue. How many people must die for the international community say, okay, let Haiti breathe? How many revolutions must we fight? Mm. How many French armies must we fight in many different faces and spaces? Honestly, it feels like the Napoleon army has just turned into other obstacles against the country, against the people themselves. So 
That's what we have been for a very long time as a country and as a people. Join us on Thursday for the second half of my conversation with Gurleen. Please like, follow, and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us by searching The Delph Podcast on all platforms. Thanks for tuning in. This is The Delph.